0: Hi everybody, this is Lee. I'm here with Bob and Jerry. We are One New Man Ministries. We are an Ephesians 2 ministry, a ministry of reconciliation. And we study the Old Testament and the New Testament together, God's continuous revelation for as Ephesians 2 says in 12 through 21, Remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to god in one body through the cross thus putting to death that hostility through it so he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near for through him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So that is our prayer we are in a difficult times in the world now. There's wars and rumors of wars and rumors of bigger wars. And the wars in the material world are often world reflections of the wars in the spiritual world between good and evil. And we just pray that all will know that there is one God, and there is one way to that God through Yeshua, his only begotten Son, born of the Spirit, who gave himself on the cross for atonement of our sins, that we might be healed from the separation from God created through the original sin of man. And and we're back in Genesis, and we're, we just finished studying that, and, and now we're Noah. So, what are we going to study today, Jerry?
1: I wanted to say good morning to you guys and good morning to our audience. Uh, As you have uh, laid out for us, these are troubling times, and we want to lift up the name of Yeshua, salvation, Jesus. Uh, We want to reiterate that uh, he is the only hope for peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And our prayer, uh, especially for the Middle East and Israel and the surrounding countries, is that the body of Christ there that's composed of believing Jewish people and believing Arab people, that they would be united in Messiah and really uh, showing forth the love of Messiah to all peoples to live out the truth that only in Messiah can sinful people come together and first be reconciled to God which enables the reconciliation to each of us as human beings so we want to lift up the body of Messiah there uh, that they would really live into the calling that they have Uh, as Paul said in one place that they would walk worthy of their calling in Messiah that they would uh, demonstrate the love of Messiah and the unity that Messiah brings, no matter what our cultural or ethnic or racial background happens to be, that we are all one in him, one as uh, sinners uh, who have been redeemed by the same method that is his blood poured out for us, the payment for our sins. And yes, we did cover last week. Amen, end. amen, Jerry. We, oh, we did cover last week uh, the, the, the creation of man as well as his fall. But remember the very last verse of last week's portion was, Noah found grace in the eyes of Hashem, in the eyes of the Lord. That over all of the sinfulness of man, remember there was the long recitation of uh, Cain's line and all of the things that came as a result. Uh, we're going to read today the very beginning that uh, the, the uh, thoughts and intents of man's desires were continuously evil and it grieved the Lord to, to, uh, that, that he had made them. That, that, that was the lead up to, to, to uh, Noah found grace. So, so that over all of our sinfulness grace is the bigger word that if you will uh god has has painted grace <laughs> over all of the graffiti that we tried to use to deface his beautiful creation uh god uh re-beautified it with grace mm-hmm. So uh, what's interesting to me, then, if we, if we take a bird's eye look at this whole portion, it does begin with Noah, but it doesn't end with Noah. Uh, it goes through Noah, and then we, we read how God uh, destroyed the earth through the flood and how Noah came out, and he established his family, and God uh, gave them covenant. We'll, we'll get into the specifics, but they failed. Uh, in, in in carrying out their end of the covenant. Uh, there's a curse that's put on one of Noah's grandchildren uh, because of his unrighteousness. Then we have the discussion of how God created the nations out of the three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then after that, we find that they were all gathered in one place, in one language, and they were going to lift themselves up before God so that there's, there's this coming to life again, this manifestation of the evil intents of our hearts, right? That even though God had done this this cleansing, this purification through the flood, we'll see that it's, he, he repeats that same idea in, in our portion today that the, 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 the evil intentions remain of man's heart. But the portion, this portion again, where does it end? It ends with Abraham's line. It ends with the man who will become God's friend. And so just like last week's portion, even though it covered the the, the terrible fall and its consequences, it ended on a note of grace. This one begins with that note of grace, why it was necessary, how God purged everything, still sin, grew up again, but God's grace is the ending of the story once more. And we want to always lift that up, you know, in Yeshua, in God, there's always hope, there's always grace, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, God's grace can be the final word. But we want to maybe put it in a context here. Uh, I want to, before we, we get to Genesis, let me just read what the scripture has to say about Noah. In Hebrews chapter 11, and you might, many of you might recognize this as the, the uh, faith hall of fame, uh, notice what it says about Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, so there's that, that faith issue, God begins to talk to him about things that he has not yet seen or experienced a big flood that's going to wipe out the world. (laughs) By faith, Noah acted. So, again, we want to say that when we talk about faith, we're not just talking about some kind of mental knowledge that we possess, but that faith is a trust that is exhibited by action. Noah, Noah being warned by God about events as yet unseen, in reverent fear— constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And when it says that reverent fear, that is reflecting the teaching that you find throughout the old testament about walking in the fear of the lord that reverential awe that this is god who is talking to me and that i as his creature am accountable and responsible to obey what he has to say reverent fear noah in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household So God said, this is something that I'm going to do, and I'm getting you ready by having you build an ark. And Noah responds in faith, in trust, with reverent fear. This awesome God has deigned to talk to me. He's going to do something awful, yet he's giving me grace to spare me, right? Right? Noah acts and builds an ark that saves him and his household. And by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes through trusting by faith. How do we get righteousness? It is through trusting in God. We'll see that, that, that beautiful verse that comes up in Abraham's story. Abraham believed God, and that was reckoned or counted to him as his righteousness. Not what Abraham did, but what he trusted in. He trusted in God. So that's the, that's the, the big God word, if you will, because the scripture is breathed out by God. That's, what, that's God's word over Noah's life, that he was a righteous man in his generations, and that here he acted out of reverential fear and trusted in God to the building of an ark and the saving of his household. Go ahead, Bob.
2: Yeah, it it took, I think it says like about 120 years he gave him warning to build that ark. Mm -hmm. And how many of us would have had a conversation with God saying, God, are you sure you want me to do this? Are you sure you want me to build a a boat that's 450 feet long? I mean, to me, you know, faith can overcome human reasoning. And when faith does that, that's when we're in line with God. And so, so we have to, when we hear God's voice, we don't need to question him. We don't need to, to do anything. Just just believe what he tells you and what, the, what God's word says and push the human reasoning
0: behind the back.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, you can imagine the people around Noah watching him spend his life in faith, building a boat for a storm that has yet to come year after year, decade after decade going, that guy's crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's what you know people who truly walk in faith, live by faith, not by sight, live in a spiritual, you know in the in the domain of the spiritual world, you know, spiritual warriors, you know, they appear, other people might look at them in the world and go, they're crazy. Forget about them.
2: Yeah. But what Jerry said earlier is coming back to the biblical worldview of Genesis that we talked about earlier. That God is in control. He did make us. He, he controlled. He's a sovereign Lord. And I think that uh, and, and and looking at this, not only during that time did Noah build the ark for 100, 120 years, what exactly how long he built it. But he spared Noah from all the famines, all the earthquakes that were happening during his time. You know, so I think that's that's pretty neat to have God's hand on him with the assignment and him and his family are covered during that time.
0: And, and, and I think, you know, uh, the way you've set this up, it's really it would be good if you don't mind, Jerry, to go to our New Testament portion for this week, which was first uh, Peter three. um And I'll start with uh, 16 because it does sort of bring—it's another mention in the New Testament of Noah from a a different point of view. And uh, I think it'd be a good way to open into the the Old Testament portion. And 16 says, Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ— may be put to shame, for it is better to suffer for doing good, if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey when God waited patiently. God waited patiently in the days of Noah Mm -hmm. during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, so this cleansing of the flood through water, It it says here in scripture, and baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. Amen. 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 Just the uh, scripture is just so coherent and cohesive, and to study it, you know f- the way we're studying it the Old Testament from the point of view of Yeshua is just so revealing you know this idea that the flood prefigured baptism and how our baptism
1: mm-hmm. the uh the Peter passage that you read is uh, one of two places that Peter actually talks about Noah. He, he also mentions Noah in the, in the second letter that he wrote. So, so Noah's a pretty prominent figure uh, in terms of his uh, righteousness, uh, in terms of his, and again, the righteousness is stated about him secondarily. It's that he found grace in the eyes of the Lord first. And so here in, in, in this Peter passage, what, what he's talking about is how, how as Christians we should suffer uh, for righteousness sake and not because of uh, the immoral things we might have done. But if you suffer, then you are suffering the way that Jesus did, who suffered out of his own righteousness. He had never lied. He had never committed uh, any kind of trespass or robbery, as, as we were talking about trespass and robbery uh, against anybody, uh, no violence was found in him, um, and, and because that's how he, he leads into this, for Christ also suffered once for the sins, for the righteous, for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. There's this this great statement about how he was the righteous one and we were all unrighteous. Uh, you know, Paul goes into that lengthy list in Romans chapter 3 of various scriptures. There's no one good, no, not one. No one seeks after righteousness. You know, the thoughts and intents of our hearts were continuously evil. Uh, Jeremiah says that, you know, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. I mean, this is a common drumbeat theme, Right.
0: Well, yeah, and and, you know, it's um, really about will. And I think the the first Peter 3.17 just brings it out. It says, for it is better to suffer for doing good if suffering should be God's will than to suffer for doing evil. Mm -hmm. You know, because when we suffer, Because of our own will, we use our own will and we're outside of being God's, you know, path for obedience. We're suffering for doing evil. Right. But when we suffer for doing God's will, that's the sort of righteousness they're talking Mm -hmm. about. And it's really about we're given free choice, free will. How are we going to use our free will? Are we going to use it to pursue our own pleasure, desires, corruption? You know, or are we going to choose to subjugate our will to God's will? Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: And it's important to see, though, that Peter clearly draws the line from, from our choices to the example of, of Jesus that we are following him in this lifestyle choice, if you will. Uh, and it's it's in that context, then, of, of suffering as Christ suffered. And he makes the point for us, again, that he, Christ was the righteous one. He suffered the righteous for the unrighteous, for you and for me and for our audience. Uh, we're all in that unrighteous boat together. But Christ suffered for us, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Here's that reconciling that we talk about. You know, we were far apart. Uh, God has that great line in in Isaiah. um, Is my arm too short to save? No, your sins have separated you from me, right? So in Christ, uh, there's that reconciling that he might bring us to God. He was put to death in the flesh that he might live in the spirit. And this is where the Noah part comes in, that it was through that spirit that he preached to the saints. To He, he proclaimed to the spirits in prison, to other imprisoned spirits, uh, because they formerly did not obey. When was it that they weren't obeying? He Now he says specifically in the time of Noah, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. And there's that that long suffering that we've talked about that's part of God's name slow to anger right. why did it take 120 years to build an ark i mean by god could have could have miraculously put an ark there the next day but god's long suffering for the people of noah's day god's patience in allowing a man to embody god's patience god's grace god's Noah, Noah's out there saying every day <laughs> prepare to meet your God or the end is near, as you see in some of those cartoon signs, giving people a chance to repent. You right. know, the flip side of this coin is, 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 in my mind, Jonah, who goes to Assyria, kind of the same situation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with this crazy message. And if anything happens, it's going to be because of God's grace. And Noah was out there for 120 years with his hammer and his rudimentary saw, whatever tools he had, proclaiming this this impending judgment. And you need to change your ways. If we will but change, if we will, you know, come back to God. Clearly, the knowledge of God is 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 around and in these people. You've still got uh, Methuselah around. He's been around for almost 900 years now. Uh, he goes all the way back to you know with within a couple of of decades of, of of Adam himself people there there's there's a a knowledge of god in the atmosphere but the problem is inside of men god looked inside of man and saw that the evil intentions of his heart were continuous right and so Here here we have this, 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 this use of Noah then as a demonstration of God's patience, of God's faithfulness to preach to them, to offer them, to give them to their will a moral choice to make. And except for Noah, nobody makes it. And Noah's actions save him and his household. The the building of his ark out of of reverential fear. Yeah.
2: Yeah, on on chapter 6, verse 5. Let me read that real quick, Jerry. It says... uh, We're back
1: in Genesis. Yes. Okay.
2: um, It says, When the Lord saw that man's wickedness was widespread on the earth, and every scheme on his mind and thought was nothing but evil all the time, the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and he grieved in his heart. And, you know, we think about, you know, the God's grieving that he, he reached out to man. He, he, he continued for 120 years. But back, you know, the, the human heart can become so depraved, which is well, that's one of the uh, definitions of wickedness is the absence of anything good is depravity. But man's heart can become so depraved that he can't see God and doesn't acknowledge God anymore. Mm-hmm. Before Jesus, there was a point of no return. And I think this is, spells it out here. And I think God was grieved for the fact that they weren't turning to him you know so he could save them so that's uh not only was agree with the evilness on his heart but they just weren't turning around and that's why i think uh, about 2300 years later jesus arrives Mm -hmm. because he came to you know to (coughs) fix the heart and give us a new one
0: you know i'm i'm glad you went back to this uh, grieving of god's heart you and and i just i i think about my own heart and when you know i think about when my dad died who i loved very much and that if i hadn't grieved how i would have hardened my heart and i think that that you know that human beings through our culture, at least in our culture, in, in a way, and especially men, you know, Joe Combe talked about this with Duke on, the sh- on their show, that men are like, it's, it's, it's weak to grieve. But if, the, if you don't grieve, you're hardening your heart. And that Amen. grieving is so important to keep a soft heart, because we all have shattered hopes and you know God's hope for man was shattered you know man had just fallen man who was create he God created in his image because of God's love just fell away from God and it and it grieved him to his heart that had i mean when you think about that pain and that he would Solve that pain by giving his only son. Amen. It's like, wow, that is infinite love. Mm-hmm. That he would solve the pain of his own grief by even giving more of himself for us.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think what you said last week on this, <clears throat> we grieve what we love, right right and so god's grief over man is a demonstration of his love for us and then what you just said now uh, reminds me of the verse in romans that says god proves his love or demonstrates his love for us in this fact that even though we were his enemies messiah died for us here is an even greater love than just god grieved but god acted out of love, to bring this reconciliation that he's always desired. He created us for fellowship with him. He created us to walk in the cool of the garden day by day, right? And to have communion, to have conversation, to walk together. Can two walk together except they be agreed? No, they can't. And when we started walking away from God, we weren't thinking about turning back, But God was determined to have fellowship with his creatures and not only grieving for them but doing what was necessary to bring reconciliation, to get us back on his path where the two could walk together in agreement once more. Isn't that just terrific?
2: Yeah, and and he and you know he does this and and the you know the transient of time that, that, that we're talking about here until Jesus came. You know in jeremiah about uh, 700 years after after we're reading on, on this is that god said and 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 jeremiah uh, 31 31 through 33 saying i will have to give them a new heart and a new spirit because this marriage that we have just isn't working out and then a few you know about 700 years after that then jesus comes to deliver that very thing a new heart and a new spirit and to atone and to bring us together with God. Mm-hmm. And I just think, that, you know, that whole plan is incredible. <clears throat> and he had it all laid out from the beginning. And what fortunate people we are to know Jesus and to know that God that we're reconciled with the creator and ruler of the universe. Amen. And I just, you know, that, that is love, like you said, Jerry. That's, that's what he offers us. That's what he offers to the world
1: to, that, and to want to know him. Absolutely. We, uh, we always hope and pray for those of you who are listening, listening to us that, uh, this, this message of reconciliation, if you are not already, uh, uh, a, a believer if you have not already experienced that reconciling that that what we're saying uh, is, is being used by the spirit somehow to open up your heart to wanting to be reconciled with God that he has he is your your maker and your creator and he would like nothing more than to have conversation to fellowship uh, to, to walk together through this life with you uh, I think that we want to say that that is, that is what he he does as he calls us out. He is also entering in, right? That he enters into our day-to-day and walks with us through what we experience. And what we experience isn't always pleasant. But what God has promised is that when we are reconciled and walking together, I will walk with you. I will go through it with you. That beautiful poetic Uh, but still statement of truth kind of of turn that Isaiah has. When you walk through the fire, (laughs) God doesn't say if you go through the fire, but when you walk through the fire, I will be with you. When the waters start to come up and you're threatening to be drowned, I will be there. The psalmist says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me, with me. So that God comes, he knows the, 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 the brokenness in our lives, he knows the dangers of, of life on this earth. Jesus says, in this world you will have trials and tribulations, so, so there's not a, a promise from God that we're suddenly pulled out of the reality of living in this broken, fallen world, but rather what we are given is the promise of God's presence with us, I will never leave you or forsake you. Let's remember, we we serve a God whose name is Emmanuel, God with us. Right? He's with us. We could also say that He is God for us. So yes, we're we're, we're just so excited about about. Uh, being reconciled ourselves and being given the opportunity to talk on the radio and invite you all to be reconciled to him as well. You know, we haven't even really gotten into the portion of the Torah that we begin with. We've kind of been talking about the first few verses of Genesis chapter 6, but our Parsha actually starts today with uh, Genesis 6 verse 9, talking about the generations of Noah. This is this is a, a, a literary device that uh, the author Moses uses and of course we have to say that God above him, inspiring him, uh, the, this phraseology, the generations of, uh, is, is used as an introduction to uh, the next portion of scripture, the story, the part of the story of redemption that God wants to tell here. So this is a way of God saying here, here's, here's the story of Noah the generations of Noah and this is what took place in the days of Noah as I worked out the fix for man's fall in chapter 3 Noah was a righteous man blameless in his generation he walked with God three things that we find out about Noah and his character Uh, remember that just preceding this Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so here's what it means to have grace from God. Number one, declaration of righteousness. Not sinless perfection, but a dedication to seek and do what's right and to make amends through confession, sacrifice, whatever the appropriate mode of your day was, when we go wrong that he was blameless. Blameless is a word that talks about integrity. He was without uh, guile, if you will, like Jesus says about Nathaniel. That he was, again, uh, this word in Hebrew is tam or the plural tamim. When it's used of God, it is talking about sinless perfection. But when it's used of human beings, uh, it is not talking about sinless perfection, but rather wholeheartedness towards God. So that there is a a greater moral purity about them in general than there would be for somebody who is not following God. But it is not saying that they are completely morally pure like God is but rather that there's the wholehearted devotion to God. And again, this idea that when I go wrong, I agree with God and get myself right with God again, because I am blameless before God. All right. And then this idea that we've already kind of talked about, he walked with God. They were in agreement. He, Noah, and we should say that they were in agreement about what God's will and ways were. Uh, God didn't pack in with Noah, but it was the other way around. Uh, Noah joined God on God's path. If we could kind of anthropomorphize God in this way that God's walking, uh, that, that Noah got on God's path, not the other way around. So the three things that are said about Noah, I think is fair to say about you and me and Messiah. That if we have been born again in Messiah, we have a standing in him that is righteous, blameless, and daily called to walk with him. Right? Excellent. Now this verse that we've talked about, the earth was corrupt in God's sight and earth was filled with violence. Uh, It's just interesting and I don't want to prove any points out of this, but the Hebrew word for violence there is the word Hamas. And we do have trouble with Hamas today. And this sense of of violence, of, you know, we, we, we see it begin with Cain murdering Abel, but then we get down to... Uh, is it Lamech his his descendant? Uh, you know, if if Cain killed his one, I kill my seventy or something. I forget the ac- actual terminology, but but violence is filling the earth. Uh, these goes back to uh, this corruption. The 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 the. the the evil set of, of our hearts leads us to, to, uh, to violence. And God saw that it was corrupt and all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. So this corruption spread. It was not just a human corruption anymore, but there was corruption in the creation, right? And so he said, I've determined to make an end of all flesh for the earth is filled with violence through them. And I will destroy them with the earth. So in verse 17, I'll bring a flood of waters on the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life. We've talked about the Ruach Chaim. All the breath of life under heaven, everything that's on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. Verse 19, of every living thing that is a uh, nefesh chayim, of all flesh you shall bring two of every sort into the ark. Then this discussion about how how the the process of of the two of every kind, etc., Talking about the first part though that God's intent is to destroy everything that has the breath of life. Everything that is 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 living and breathing and moving on earth has become so corrupted that the only answer is to purge it all away through through a flood. Go ahead, Lee. It looks like you got something you want to jump in on. Yeah
0: I know, Jerry, that you don't wanna make a big point of this, but I think I wanna just reread Genesis six thirteen because The word here is Hamas, violence, Mm -hmm. in Hebrew. And I think it's important to understand that just like we talked about last week, that the spiritual precedes the material, before there was creation, there was God, in the beginning, God. And, you know, just like material corruption, violence on the earth is preceded by spiritual corruption moral decay and and so 6:13 says and God said unto Noah the end of all flesh is come before me for the earth is filled with violence Hamas through them and behold I will destroy them with the earth mm-hmm. and this is a spiritual war and it is a war Of life and good or death and evil. We saw that when we were talking about in Deuteronomy. And God said, I put before you life and good or death and evil. Choose life. And it's still the same message. Mm -hmm. And, And, you know, the corruption and the violence from choosing death. It. We have to stand for life. That is Yeshua is life. He is Chaim. Amen.
1: Absolutely agreed. What I like to see here, though, is in the midst of all of this corruption, in the midst of uh, God's absolute uh, word about pending judgment, in. In, in in all of this decay, the violence that men have perpetrated, we still find a man that God's going to establish a covenant with. God made a promise when Adam fell that a seed was going to come who would crush the head of the serpent. He would be injured by the serpent, but he would kill the serpent. And so here we are. If Noah hadn't found grace in the eyes of the Lord, then he would have wiped out every living thing. But then he would not have been faithful to what he promised Adam and Eve in sending a seed that would crush the serpent. And so in the midst of all of this, I just like finding that God is still acting with grace, that here is a man that found grace in the eyes of the Lord who God would establish a covenant with, and that I will bring you safely into the ark and you will be spared the judgment that's coming on everyone else. And there's that idea of going through again though, right? That 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 the ark went through the waters, traveled over the waters. It didn't escape the waters, right? But it it rose with the waters, it traveled through the waters. God kept it safe as the waters came up. Uh, he landed it safely on the mountain as the waters receded, and that's kind of like our life as we are in the ark of Yeshua, right? That that we we go through the storms of the life, and there's that that wonderful story in the Gospels about how uh, they got in the boat and the storm came up suddenly on the sea, and Jesus is there with them, and they wake him up and he speaks. Uh, be still to the winds and the waves, and they're just awestruck and thunderstruck in that old kind of word. Even, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And he t- looks at them and says, why is your faith so small? Right. right. And so there we are, too. We I think the, the ark represents Yeshua. The ark represents the safety that we find in Him. We are covered by God. You know, there's there's that wonderful word in here about how as everybody got into the ark, it was God who closed the door, and God seals us in Christ by the Holy Spirit in Ephesians. All these wonderful pictures that are there in the Old Testament that that can be applied to our position and our place in 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 Messiah. Just so so great, you know. Then then uh, <clears throat> chapter seven. Uh, He he goes through a a few more uh, explanations about the animals, and now you should take uh, seven of the clean animals. And the idea here is that Noah will have animals to sacrifice. I think the point that we need to maybe think about, when God here talks about clean and unclean animals, were there already those designations in Noah's time? That he recognized clean or unclean, or is this Moses um, from his vantage point uh, calling these animals clean and unclean? What do you think? I
2: don't know, Julia. I, I, that would—I I wondered that same question when I was reading this. But then again, I, you—I think it, it probably did. I think God notified Noah what what animals were clean and unclean. But you know, it, we. God asked Moses to observe the Sabbath before he gave the Ten Commandments. Mm. So there's some sort of um, premonition there that that I think's taken place but
1: well the reason I bring it up the rabbis talk about how God brought the two by two, but it says in chapter seven to Noah, take with you seven pairs of all clean animals. The rabbis suggest that Noah had to go out and collect those wow. animals himself. And so this idea then that there was always the knowledge of God among mankind, I think is implicit underneath all that. That they knew what was clean and unclean, that God had already in some ways given them revelation to to be able to live and have this relationship with God. We we have a huge gap uh, uh, of relationship with God between... Cain and Abel, there's, there's a very intimate discussion about the, the their offerings and their hearts. Then we don't really hear too much about offerings again. And then Noah will make an offering when he gets off the boat. But just this idea that in all that span of years that there was there was some knowledge of what the right way to, to approach God. Well, let me, this is the first,
2: correct me if I'm wrong, Jerry, but this is the first, recorded uh, part in the Bible that has animal sacrifice, is it not? No. No.
1: Abel brought a sheep from his flock. You're right. Okay. So that's why I'm saying that it seems that there is a knowledge that God has given to people about how to have relationship with him. And anyway,
0: um. well, it does say uh, I was trying to find the verse, but it says earlier in Genesis that uh, that man named all the animals mm-hmm. and 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 it's like in the naming of the animals, there was some recognition of their essence, you know, and. So I think you're probably right that there was some communion between man and animal that they knew what was the good animal, you know, the animal that didn't eat death for life, you know. Right, because,
1: yeah, that is seemingly the big connective tissue of what makes one clean or unclean is that eating of blood. Yeah. 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 But, you know, one
2: Uh, thing I thought that was interesting, Jerry, is is the ark itself, And, and I think... When I looked into the Strong's Concordance, that ark means container. Is that right in, in the in the Jewish? It doesn't mean boat so much. No. It means, it the, means co- container.
1: Right, because we have the ark of the of covenant. covenant.
2: Yes. And what I find interesting is that this ark had no sails. It had no rudder. It was made to be a floating container until the, the flood wiped out everybody and then it receded. Right. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's a lot of trust that God would have or Noah would have in God to say, you know, I trust you. You know, you're going to float us around and you're going to land us somewhere that we can, you know, multiply again.
1: Well, as you were saying that, I don't know that I ever had this thought before, but the fact that it has no sails and no rudder means that there's nothing for the man to do.
2: Right. You're going to get saved
1: and it's not because of anything that you did.
2: God's the navigator.
1: Right. Yeah. So the other thing that comes through then in this portion... God says, I'll make a covenant with you. But twice, within the space of a, of a few verses, it says this about him, about Noah, in chapter six twenty-two, and then in 7, 5. Noah did all that Hashem, the Lord, commanded. And that ties us back to that verse in Hebrews, the discussion about Noah in Hebrews, that because of his faith, he obeyed. Out of trust in God, we act. God spoke. God is God. God is uh, truthful. God is faithful. Therefore, I'm going to act in accordance with the word God spoke. Um, Then, of course, we have the, the discussion about how the waters came up and the waters came down and 40 days and 40 nights it rained and God let loose the springs of the deep and the waters covered the mountains. And we're not going to get into the debate if it was a local or universal flood. But what we want to point out again is that after all of this has taken place, we have this wonderful comment at the beginning of chapter 8. And again, we want to point to the bright light of grace. God remembered Noah and all the beasts. At the beginning of chapter 8, All the livestock that were with him in the ark. This phrase, God remembered, does not suggest to us that God suddenly forgot something. And like you or I might kind of go, oh, I just remembered that. But no, Noah was always before God. But in scripture, when that phrase is used, God remembered, it means that this is the time that God has decided to act decisively in behalf of this person so we find God remembering Israel when they were calling out as slaves in Egypt and we find God remembering Hannah when she prayed for a child here God remembers Noah okay Noah the time has come we are going to resolve all of this and so the boat comes to rest or Noah goes through that process of letting the raven out uh, the raven not coming back signifies that they found plenty of dead meat to feed on. But the dove returning means that there was nothing growing that the dove could begin to eat because the dove is an herbivore. When the dove finally goes out and doesn't return, this signifies that the earth is starting to come back to life, starting to produce again. And so grace is the, the, the note through here that out of the judgment comes regeneration. Regeneration. Except a seed fall into the ground, uh, it abides alone. But if it falls in the ground and dies, it produces a lot of fruit. So that's that's where we kind of are in the story. Lee it looks like you had a thought there.
0: Well, um, you know we're we're running out of time, and I just wanted to make sure and bring this point up in uh, Genesis eight twenty one. Because, you know, after uh, Noah built, after he gets out of the ark, he builds an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and every clean fa- fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. <coughs> mm-hmm. And so 21, 821 says, and the Lord smelled the sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. This goes back to what prompted in Six the the flood, because, you know, he said, the intention of the thoughts of the hearts of man was only evil continually. And it grieved God to his heart, and he regretted that he had made man on earth in Genesis 6, 5, and 6. And so here in Genesis eight twenty one, the Lord says after the flood, okay, and the destruction of the flood, he says, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I've done while the earth remains seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. So I, I read this and I, you know, I sort of think that, that this was a God expressing a, a mercy, you know, uh, that I have to be merciful to these human beings who from their youth, their imagination is only evil continually. I have to provide a way of salvation through grace or by grace through faith because, you know, that's it. They're, they're, they're evil from their youth. I'm right. not going to change that even by destroying everything.
1: Well, and I think that's the point that he's making here is because people are this way, I would have to keep wiping everything out every once in a while to start over fresh. I'm not going to do that anymore. That's what he's saying. I'm not going to curse this world again in that way. Uh, We said he established his covenant with with, uh, Noah back in chapter 7 or or 6. But now here again uh, in chapter 9 is is the, the uh, covenant spelled out. <clears throat> and Bob, uh, you might have uh, some more to say about this, but let me just say uh, specifically on this idea of judgment and how God is not going to do this again. He says in verse 11 of chapter 9, I will establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Why? Because... The thoughts and intentions of man's heart are evil from his youth. In other words, this catastrophic judgment still did not change the heart of man. And until the heart of man can be changed, I would have to go through this again and again and again to keep purging. So God is showing us that well, the severity of our problem really right yes. the, the 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 depth of sin and depravity that that is in each one of us you know uh, <clears throat> in our culture today the the thing and it really doesn't matter which side you're on everybody just wants you to be nice right <laughs> but what is missed in that Projection of, of what we think humans ought to be is the depth of sin that even keeps us from being nice, <laughs> even as we would define nice, right? Uh, and so, so this is this is God's great promise. Um, there's there's so much entailed here uh, in this covenant, Bob. What did you wanna Lord, maybe say about that?
2: It says uh, nine and. Verse one, it says, "Be fruitful and multiply on the earth," and that is also the same uh, covenant that or command that he gave to Noah. I mean, gave to Adam, and that's and, and it's and it's still it, to this day that he he that's what he wants. And it says that, um, uh, you know, he put the the terror of the animals uh, towards man, so they so he's kind of reestablishing. You know, partially reestablishing a hierarchy that Adam lost, mm-hmm. and I just think this is more of a restorative covenant as opposed to Adam's initial covenant. That God's trying to put things back together again, in, in a physical sense. And um,
1: well, and, it's certainly a new beginning. Yes, yes. And in, also, in
2: he, he's the first one to have a vi- to plant a vineyard, mm-hmm. which I, and we'll read a little later on what happens after that. But but God is a restorative God, and I, that's right. what I love about him.
1: Right. Uh, we're going to skip over a whole bunch of stuff. I want to end uh, with the idea that out of, out of the flood comes Noah, a righteous man, blameless man, walking with God man, a man who had three sons and they all had three wives. And from those families, God is going to populate the earth. We read in chapter 10 about the seventy nations that, that come from uh, Noah's three sons, uh they have within two generations right noah noah's sons noah's noah's children and the the people who who grew up from them had the knowledge of god and what god did because of man's sin the great judgment of god that came upon them but then we read that they still went after the thoughts and evil intentions of their own heart in the story of the Tower of Babel, right? Isn't that what Babel's all about? Yes. And what's interesting about Babel is, uh, it says they wanted to make a name for themselves. And the Hebrew word for name is Shem. (laughs) And as we learn, Shem, one of Noah's sons, is also the forebear of the godly line that will lead to Abraham, that leads to David, that leads to Messiah. But rather than accept God's Shem, God's name, they wanted to make a name for themselves. And so we know that from the scripture, God was not pleased with that. If we let them go ahead with this, who knows what they'll come up with, basically, is, is, is what it says. And so he scattered them by changing their language. It says at the beginning that they were the whole earth had one language and using the same words. And God made it so that they couldn't understand one another. And we are people of grace. And this story ends with the introduction of Abraham's line. A grace note and we want to end our programming today with this idea that God took that dispersion and the confusion of language and he changed it all on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and he gave the gift of different languages that they might all proclaim the same message And that's the message that we bring to you, the message of God's grace, the message that God was in Messiah, reconciling the world to himself. In this last minute, we want to invite you again. If you know God, then you are called to walk with him as Noah did. In the righteousness that Christ gives you, the blamelessness, And if you don't know God yet, if you have not put your faith in Yeshua, we invite you that God is gracious, that he's long-suffering, just like he put up with people for 120 years in the preaching of Noah. How long has he put up with you? How long has he put up with me before I became a believer? God's grace is being offered to you today. And if you're ready to receive God's grace, we ask you to pray this with us. Father in heaven, I know I'm a sinner but I believe with all my heart that you sent Yeshua Mashiach, Jesus Christ, to pay the debt for me, the righteous for the unrighteous, and I ask you to forgive me in his name. I accept your gracious gift of salvation, and I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you will seal me and enable me through your power to walk with God and live for him every day for his glory. I ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. If you prayed that, would you let us know at One New Man Ministries International on Facebook? We're so glad you joined us today, and we hope you'll be back next week. God bless you.